Now I'm sure that probably all of us are familiar with the name Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo da Vinci. He was, of course, that great Renaissance artist whose works like The Last Supper and The Mona Lisa are some of the most famous paintings of all time. But here's the thing. Even though Leonardo da Vinci clearly had God-given talent, the truth is that he didn't become a, a master artist overnight. No, like all the greats, he had to learn and he had to train. So when he was 15 years old, Leonardo became the apprentice of an artist named Andrea del Verrocchio. Fewer of us have probably heard of Verrocchio. But Verrocchio was a, a master in his own right. And, and he taught Leonardo different techniques and types of art for almost a decade. And here's the thing. In those days, the, the apprentice of an artist, they did a lot of menial tasks. They would get the paints ready. They would prime the paint panels. They'd get the studio ready that day. But over time, they would increasingly be given more responsibilities until one day that apprentice went from just learning and observing to actually assisting the master in whatever piece he was working on. So, for example, if Verrocchio was painting something, some of his advanced students would, would, they would start painting with him on that same canvas. Now, that didn't just take great skill in painting. It also took an apprentice being able to paint in the same style as the master. So that at the end, it was one cohesive picture that looked like it was made by one artist. Leonardo learned how to do that. In fact, there are some paintings of Verrocchio's that we have today where there's a lot of debate. Which parts did Verrocchio paint? Which parts did Leonardo paint? Because it's one cohesive picture. So Leonardo learned these things. And you know, students owed a lot to their masters, so much so that Leonardo, when he became a master artist in his own right, he decided to stay on with Verrocchio for a number of years before he launched out on his own. I share all this because, you know, for somebody to grow in any skill set in this life, it helps to learn from others who are already successful in those things. Right? That's true not just for artists, but really for, for all sorts of different professions. And not only is it true for professions, it's also true for the Christian faith. You see, as Christians, if we want to grow in our faith and in our walk with Jesus Christ, it helps for us to learn from those who are already faithfully walking with the Lord. This is a part of what we generally refer to as Christian discipleship. Now, now that word disciple means follower. And as Christians, we are all followers of Jesus Christ. But what does that look like? What's it look like to follow Jesus Christ? How, how do we live for Him? How, how do we stand for righteousness in an unrighteous age? How do we understand the things that we're reading in the Bible and as we study to get the most out of it? How, how do we navigate life situations in a godly manner? How do we do these things as disciples of Jesus Christ? Well, one way we understand how to live as followers of Jesus is that we're supposed to study the things that He taught. And another way is that we should observe, we should be led by those who are themselves strong Christians. Right? And this isn't a new thing, this Christian discipleship. In Christianity, there's this long line of believers who have been trained up by those who are more mature in their faith, leading all the way back to the disciples who were, of course, taught by the Master, Jesus Christ. All right, ever since that day, Christians have been discipling new believers. That is, they've been teaching and demonstrating to them how to obey all that the Lord 
commanded. So what about you, believer? Have you learned the teachings of Christ? Have you been studying them? Have you seen them applied in your own life? Have you had a mature Christian come alongside you and help you grow in your faith? Well, this morning we're going to be talking about why these things are important. We're going to be talking about why as Christians we believe in discipleship. We're going to see a great example of discipleship together in the Bible. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. That's where we're going to be, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I encourage you to follow along. Normally I would tell you what page to turn to in those Bibles here in the sanctuary, but I am looking at the page number and I have clearly written this down wrong. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm sure your neighbor would be willing to help you if you were looking for it in your Bible. 964, not 264, which is what I had written down. Page 964, if you'd like to use one of those Bibles here in the sanctuary. Thank you so much for that. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, this, this, what we're about to read, this was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to his protege, Timothy. All right, now, Paul himself, Paul knew the importance of of Christian discipleship. He knew the importance of having believers pour into someone's life. Paul knew that because he was blessed early in his own faith to be led and encouraged by Barnabas. Well, and then later Paul poured into other people, most notably this young man named Timothy. So in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 16, that's where we find Paul. He was on this missionary journey and he meets this young Christian named, named Timothy. He decides to invite this this Tim, to come along with him and travel as he was going about ministry. And you know what? After that, these two, they were inseparable, Paul and Timothy. In fact, Timothy was with Paul so often that Timothy comes up in almost all the letters that Paul wrote to other Christians. You see, you can't read the book of Romans or 1 and 2 Corinthians or Philippians, or Colossians, or First and Second Thessalonians, or Philemon, without seeing Paul mention Timothy at least once in each of those letters. They were so close together. Timothy was such a close pupil of his that Paul referred to Timothy as his own son whom he loved. And it's not just that these two were really good friends who got along. No, no, they, they both loved the Lord deeply. And they served him together, all while Timothy learned from Paul. So we're going to see what Paul wrote to Timothy years later. 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at verse 10. Verse 10, Paul writes, he says, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Let's pause right here for just a minute and keep your place there in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, we know a lot of things about Paul. Right? We know a lot of things about Paul. We know a lot about his teachings. We study them very often in the New Testament. We know his way of life before he was saved. How he persecuted the church. 
than how he was powerfully confronted by the Lord on the road to Damascus? We know about Paul's way of life after he was saved, how he became a powerful preacher of the gospel, performed miracles, how he shared the gospel with many people persecuted and imprisoned along the way. We know these things because we read about these things in the Bible. But you see, the things that that Timothy knew, Timothy knew, knew those things by experience. He knew about Paul's teachings and way of life and purpose and faith and patience and love and endurance and persecutions, not because he read about them, but because he witnessed those things. Timothy sat at Paul's feet when Paul was teaching. He watched Paul's way of living. He he watched when Paul shared the gospel. He saw Paul endure countless persecutions at the hands of sinners. Timothy watched as God rescued Paul from death. He watched as God brought sinners to salvation, as churches grew. And let me ask, you see, it's one thing to read about all this, but how would it impact you to see those things? Would Would it challenge and encourage you in your faith to see a Christian live for the Lord like that? We see that's part of Christian discipleship. This is the first part I want us to understand this morning, and that's that if we want to grow in our faith, believers, then we need to be willing to learn from others who are growing in their faith, from other Christians who are walking closely with the Lord. We should desire to learn from them, to see their example, so that we can be challenged and encouraged by it. We need to be willing to learn from others. Paul continued, he said this in verse 14. He said, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Alright, let's just pause here for a for just a second, as a little exercise, let's do this. I want you to think for just a moment. This will be easier for those of you who are in school now, but for those of us who aren't, I want you to think for just a moment about the most difficult math class you ever, ever took. Just think about it. And by a show of hands, how many of us remember everything that we learned in that class? <laughs> Anybody? Any? <laughs> so most of us, yes, we probably, we probably don't. Remember everything. Neither do I, by the way. I will admit that I learned just enough in my probability and statistics class to get by. But here's the thing. I, I didn't put any of that into practice, and because of that, all that knowledge, it's just gone. It's gone. Okay? I couldn't take that class anymore. And sadly, this is what a lot of Christians do with their faith. You see, there are a lot of Christians who, uh, they read the Bible or they hear the Bible taught, they, they learn a lot of things, but because they don't put into practice the things that they learn, because they don't continue in these things, well, eventually that knowledge is just, it's just gone. It just fades away. They didn't do anything with it, so it's like they never learned it in the first place. Paul didn't want that for Timothy, so he tells Timothy to continue in what he had learned. All right, Timothy needed to continue in his faith in Jesus Christ, to be steadfast in the truth despite what things might come his way. Now, thankfully, thankfully, Timothy had examples in his life of what that looked like. Not just Paul, by the way. Paul was not the only example that he had. Remember, Paul met Timothy when Tim was a young man. But Timothy, Paul says, he, he knew the Scriptures from infancy. See, he had other examples of godly living and teaching in his life. 
Earlier in this same letter, Paul mentions the faith of Timothy's grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice. Undoubtedly, it was these two women who taught Timothy the Bible when he was young. And their faithfulness, their faithfulness to teach him the truth of the Bible at a young age when he was in the home, their faithfulness, that mattered in his life. And you know what? A lot of us, we know exactly what that's like. I I realize that there are many of us who have had parents or grandparents who taught us the Bible, and then they demonstrated what it looked like to live for Jesus, right? A lot of us have had that. My first Bible teachers weren't in a church. My first Bible teachers were at home. My parents taught me and my siblings what the Bible said. But it wasn't just that. They they demonstrated it. We, We watched when they prayed. We, we saw them early in the morning, if we were up early, every morning they were reading their Bibles. We, we witnessed them show Christian hospitality in the home. We watched as they faithfully served God in the church. And through all these things, we got a chance to see what it looked like to live a mature Christian life. And a lot of people in here have that same story. But sadly, stories like that are becoming more and more rare. Once, when I was a youth pastor, I had a parent of some youth come up to me and ask me if I could teach the kids in youth group about being respectful because these kids weren't being respectful at home. And of course, I didn't have a problem doing that. But I realized as our conversation went on that this family felt that good behavior was something that needed to be taught at church, but not something that needed to be taught and reinforced at home. And you see, there's a similar mindset today, where there are a lot of Christian parents who have decided that their kids can just learn about God and godly living once or twice a week at church, but these things don't need to be taught and reinforced and demonstrated at home. There are a lot of Christian parents who have begun to think this. Uh, Parents, we need to remember something. We need to remember that this world does not take a day off from trying to influence and indoctrinate our children. And we need to remember that. Don't lose sight of the fact, parents, that from social media to television to anything they see online to school curriculum, this world is desperately trying to impress upon our children the values of secularism and sexual morality and self-imposed worship, and they're doing it every day. This world wants your kids. And if, as Christians, we want our kids to live for Jesus, then we have to realize that that teaching, that instruction, that Christian discipleship has to start in the home. And it has to be present every single day. And here's the thing, parents. We can't just tell our kids the truth. We have to show them what it looks like. I want you to understand, parents, Your kids will realize if you do not value church and if you don't value prayer, you don't value reading the Bible. And here's the thing, if you don't value it, why should they? Timothy was blessed with a godly example in the home and your kids and grandkids will be blessed by that too. So I praise God for those of you who are doing that so faithfully. Lois and Eunice, they were faithful to teach Timothy the Scripture. So so he was prepared when his heart 
heard the gospel. He was prepared for that. He became convinced of the truth. Why? Because he knew the ones he learned it from. He saw the truth in their lives. In fact, when he started learning from Paul, he saw, he saw that Paul was actually practicing the things that he preached. And all of us as Christians, we need to make sure that we don't just, we don't just hear the word, but we see it lived out. We need those examples in our lives. And through those, we should strive to learn more and more about what it looks like to live for the Lord, to live out our faith. Christians, do we, do we desire to learn these things? If we do, let's also remember that we shouldn't learn simply for learning's sake alone. We need to put these things into practice. This is what Paul said next to Timothy. Verse 16. He said, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There was a, there was a chaplain who was once on, on board a ship, and the ship was going across the sea. And after a number of days... Uh, the chaplain was standing on the deck, and he saw the first mate coming towards him, and it was clear this guy, he was mad. He came up to the chaplain, and he said, Hey, so what's all this I hear about you talking to my guys over and over about Jesus? Knock it off. The chaplain was a little surprised by that, and the first mate said, Besides, have you ever seen Jesus? So the chaplain said, well, No, I haven't seen Jesus. The first mate said, Ha! He said, there you go. What's the sense in talking about someone and trusting in someone who you haven't even seen? Well, the chaplain looked at him. He said, said, well, you know, he said, think about it like this. He said, when when you and your men head for a place of refuge in a storm, don't you tell your men to put down the anchor uh, and put it down where you haven't seen the ground and where you can't see the ground? Well, the first mate said, yeah, but I have a chart that shows me that. And the chaplain said, I know you do. And he said, I have a chart too. He said, mine is the Bible. And the only difference is that my chart is infallible. And my chart shows me the only sure ground of my faith is the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And he said, like your anchor, my faith takes hold of this unseen but very real ground. Here's the thing, believers. The Bible is our infallible source of truth. Earlier in our sermon series together, we actually started with why we believe in the Bible. It was important that we started with that. We know that it is 100% trustworthy and true because these are the very words of God given unto men. And therefore, that means the Bible, well, it's useful in teaching us how, how we live according to God's will. That means that in the Word of God, we're going to find those truths that are going to rebuke us in our sin when we're not living the way that we should. In the Bible, we're going to find those truths to correct the error of our way. Those truths are going to help us train us to live righteously. You see, another key part of discipleship, of growing in our faith and becoming more like Christ, is that we need to be willing to learn from Scripture. We need to be willing to learn from others. We also need to be willing to learn from Scripture. You see, for some reason... Although we lived in one of the most blessed countries in all of human history, which includes this really easy access to the Bible. I mean, we a lot of us we have multiple Bibles in our homes. We can get the Bible on our phones. We can get it online. We can get it anywhere. All right, but for some reason, despite all of that, 
Many Christians in our country, they're, they're not reading the Bible. They're just not reading it. But believers, how are we supposed to know what it is to follow Jesus if we don't read the things that he told us and taught us and commanded us? How are we going to know? A survey was done last year, in 2022, and this survey found that Americans 15 years of age and older read, on average, 15 to 18 minutes per day. That's how much the average American reads. 15 to 18 minutes per day. That is, that is definitely not a lot of reading that we do. But I looked at those numbers and I started to wonder, you know, how much of that for, for the professing Christian, how much of that includes reading the Bible, do you think? Believers, what, what do you think would happen if we read the Bible every single day? What, what would happen if, if we read the Bible for at least five minutes a day? Don't you think we, we grow in our faith? We start to understand how Jesus wants us to live? What, what if, what if, if you're, if you're not reading the Bible every day, what if you just started reading five minutes a day? In fact, let me tell you this. Uh, if, if you read the Bible for, for five minutes a day, for, for even just five days a week, did you know you'll read through the whole New Testament in a year? Just five minutes a day. Even just five days a week. If you read it every day, you'll finish before a year. In fact, we've printed Bible reading plans, put them in the foyer this morning for that purpose. I'd encourage you to pick one up as you leave this morning. You can follow it along. Five minutes a day, at least five days a week. You'll read through the New Testament. I guarantee you, you're going to learn a lot of great things. You're going to learn what it is to live for Jesus Christ. We need to start reading the Bible every day. And when we do, when we're reading the Bible, we need to make sure that we're not just learning for learning's sake alone. We don't learn these things just so we can have a lot of head knowledge, so that we can do really well at Bible trivia night, and things like that. That's, that's not why. Now, this instruction has a purpose. And the purpose is so that the servant of God would be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, learning the Bible is good. H having, having knowledge of this infallible word of God is good. But then we need to put into practice the things that we learn. Paul, Paul was instructing Timothy not just to be a learner of the Word of God, but a doer of the Word of God. I like how James puts it. I want to read for you a passage of Scripture in James chapter 1. If you're following along your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. If you're using those Bibles here in the sanctuary, it's page 977. Page 977, James chapter 1. Verse 22, listen to how James puts it. He said, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is it's like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away. Immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've learned, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Let's, let's understand what, what James is, is saying here. By the way, why, why is it that we look in mirrors? Obviously, vanity is one of the reasons that we look in mirrors. But practically, why do we look in mirrors? We look in mirrors to clean ourselves up. We look in mirrors because our hair is messy. Our face is dirty because we got that thing stuck in our teeth that people keep looking at. Okay? These, 
some of the reasons that we look in mirrors. We use a mirror to clean ourselves up. All right, but James talks about this person who looks in the mirror and they see what a mess they are and they just kind of say, meh, and they walk away and they forget all about it. They don't do anything. All right? Very few of us would do that. And he says that's kind of like the person who, they, they hear the truth of Scripture. They read it, they hear it, they see the areas of their, their life that needs to be cleaned up. The sin that needs to be addressed. Those areas of growth that they need to work on. And they look at all these things and, eh, they don't do anything. They walk away. They're no better off for even reading it. That's the hearer, the person who only hears God's word. The doer of God's word, that's the person who takes those truths and applies it to their life. That's what James is saying that we need to do. You see, the purpose of God's word is to change you, to equip you, and to help you live righteously. But that only happens when you read it and you apply what you've learned from it. And here's the thing, when you're also walking alongside mature Christians and you're learning from them, you can ask them those questions. You can see an example in their life of what it looks like to apply those very truths, those things that you're reading. Timothy did these things. He didn't just sit back and read the Bible and watch Paul do all these things. No, no, no. Timothy participated. He participated in the things that Paul did. Like, like an art apprentice helping the master paint, Timothy came alongside Paul and he ministered with him. In fact, the reason that we know that's true is because, you see, Paul, Paul wrote, as I mentioned earlier, Paul wrote a lot of letters. And in his letter to the Romans, he said that Timothy was his co-worker in the gospel. In his letter to the Corinthians, Paul reminded the Corinthians to say, hey, hey, you remember when me and, and Timothy came and we preached the gospel? Paul told the Philippians more than once that Timothy was a part of the gospel work. See, Paul didn't disciple Timothy so Timothy could just go sit on the sideline. No, he did it so that he could participate, so he could go and do likewise. And that's exactly what Timothy did. Paul told him, continue on. Don't stop doing those things. There's something else that I want us to understand about Christian discipleship. For this, if you're still there in 2 Timothy, or if you can turn on back over there, we're going to turn back now to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want us to see something that Paul said to Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul wrote this. He said, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Let's understand what Paul is telling Timothy here. He's telling Timothy to pass on the things that he has learned to people who are going to pass on the things that he gives to them. You see, as we grow as disciples of Jesus Christ, as we're learning from other believers, as we're learning from God's Word, one of our goals should be that we are able to turn around and pour into others. That's what Paul was telling Timothy to do here in chapter 2. The things that Timothy learned from Paul, the things that he saw, he was supposed to apply to his own life, but then he was supposed to start leading other people to do the same thing. You see, another part of Christian discipleship is that we need to learn to be an example to others, believers. We need to learn to be examples to other Christians in their faith. And by the way, this isn't so that people would become more like you or me. That's not what we need. No, so that they would become more like Jesus Christ. 
Listen to how Paul put it to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul said this. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's the goal. That's the goal. That when believers see you, they see what it is to live a Christ-like life so that we have an example worthy of following. Because we want people to grow in their faith. And it all started with the disciples, the, the original disciples who followed Jesus and they, they learned from him. And later they taught others to do the same. And as more people started following Jesus, the example continued on. As I mentioned earlier, Barnabas was an example to Paul. Paul became one to Timothy. Timothy passed on what he learned to reliable people who then taught it to others. It's this cycle that continues. And at the time that Paul wrote this letter, Timothy he was already leading a church. He was already putting into practice the things that he had become convinced of. He was pouring into people. See, the process of discipleship, I want us to understand, the process of discipleship is an ongoing one. Timothy wasn't done. And neither are you, believer. No matter what stage of faith you are in, you aren't done either. None of us are. If you're here this morning and, and Jesus Christ is your Savior, you would call yourself a Christian because you have given your life to Jesus as your Savior. If that is true for you, then understand you are a disciple of Jesus. And we all need to ask ourselves as disciples of Jesus Christ, are we, are we following him? Are we following his instructions, his commands, his example? Are we becoming more like Christ? Well, to do that, believers, remember, we need to be in the Word of God. So we need to read our Bibles every single day. And some of, you, some of you are doing that, and I know that you are. If you're here and you're not doing that, you haven't been reading the Bible every day, I'm going to encourage you to start. In fact, as you leave this morning, there's a table on your right-hand side in the foyer. There's a bunch of different devotional books that we keep in here every single week. But we've laid them out for you, several different kinds. Pick one up and take it with you. That Bible reading plan I mentioned earlier, it's right there in the foyer. If we run out of any of these things, let me know. I'll get you some. Okay, let's start reading the Bible and getting into God's Word daily. And then, let's start getting into God's Word with each other. Okay? Great growth happens together, believers. Great growth happens in Sunday school classes. When we gather together at 9.30 on Sunday mornings. Great growth happens in Wednesday night Bible study classes, which we have at 6 o'clock. Great growth happens in small groups throughout the week, in the Bible studies that you all have together in your homes. Great growth happens together. Understand that you are supposed to read the Bible individually. You're going to grow that way, but you're also going to grow exponentially when you do that alongside other Christians. You see, I have found by experience that very rarely Will you find a Christian who is boldly and faithfully walking with the Lord and doing so in isolation, outside of the body of Christ, outside of intentional discipleship? Very rare that you will ever find that. In fact, I haven't. You see, the truth, the truth that I want us to, to leave with today, the truth is that we grow as followers of Jesus Christ better when we do that together. Okay, we, we grow in our faith as followers of Jesus Christ. We do that better, church, when we do that together. When we study God's Word together. When we see good examples among the body of Christ. Great growth happens when we walk, walk alongside one another. So if you aren't doing this already, I'm going to encourage you, believer, uh, to find another Christian who can disciple you. And if you've been around the church for a little while, this church in particular, I, I'm, you've probably noticed by now 
some Christians who you know they are, they are strong in their faith. Not just because they know stuff about God's word, but they're living it out. Go and ask that believer if they'll disciple you. Ask if they'll meet you once a week and do a Bible study. If they're willing to answer your question. Serve in the church together. Let's start walking alongside one another, believers. And for those of you who are growing in your faith, I'm going to encourage you, look to lovingly come alongside another believer and pour into them. Look for someone you can be an example to. Paul told Timothy to do that. And let's not fall into that, that excuse that we make sometimes where we say, well, that's a different situation, or where we say, well, Timothy, Timothy was a pastor. This, this idea of pouring into others is not just for pastors. Lois and Eunice are remembered forever in Scripture for pouring into Timothy. There are many Christian parents who are going to be blessed for all eternity to see their children in heaven. Why? Because those parents were faithful to pour into their kids so that those kids had hearts prepared on the day that they heard the gospel. Find someone to pour into. Parents, pour into your kids. And parents, don't say, well, my kids are too old. Because I want to tell you something. My parents, they still disciple me. They still do. Each of us believers needs to find someone who can pour into us and someone that we can in turn pour into as well. All of us, let's be an example to one another of what it looks like to live a life as followers of Jesus Christ. If you're here and Jesus isn't your Savior, that's true for you. You've never given your life to Jesus. If that's where you're at, I understand that some of this may seem strange. This idea that as Christians we're giving our whole life to Jesus and we want to live according to all his commands and we want to do this. And I know that that might seem strange to you, but I need you to understand that this is true for Christians because we love Jesus. And I need you to understand the reason that we love him, it's because he, he first loved us. And he loves you. And before you leave, I want you to know how much Jesus loves you. See, the Bible says the problem, we've all, we've all sinned, right? We've all done bad things. We can all agree with that. We've done things that we know aren't right. Well, the Bible says the problem is that all those sins, all those bad things we've done deserve punishment. And the just punishment is that after this life, we're going to be separated forever from God in a place called hell. But God loves you so much that Jesus Christ came to this earth and died a brutal death on the cross because He loves you. Despite all your sins, despite all the things that you've done, all the ways you've taken His name in vain, all the ways that you've broken His commands, all the things that we've done, He died for us. That's love. And after He died, Jesus powerfully rose from the dead and He ascended to heaven where He's right now and He's been waiting your whole life to forgive you of your sins to save you from the penalty of hell, to give you eternal life, that guarantee that you will be with Him forever after this life. And friend, if, if you've never received that forgiveness, that salvation, understand it doesn't come from going to church, it doesn't come from doing good works or being discipled by somebody. It comes from giving your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you have never made that decision, we want you to be able to do that before you leave. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together? Friend, if that's where you're at, if you, if you would be honest and say today, well, I, I'm not a Christian, I've never given my life to Jesus, friend, if that's where you are, but you're ready to change that, you're ready to receive that forgiveness, 
that Jesus is offering? You're ready to come into his family? Friend, if you're ready to do that, if you're ready to repent of those sins and go to him in faith, then you can, you can do that right now. You can follow me in a simple prayer like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've, I've done bad things, that I've broken your commands. But Jesus, I know you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you didn't stay in the grave, but that you rose from the dead. And Jesus, today I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sins. And I'm asking you to be my Savior. Today I'm giving you my life. I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to be all yours. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning who made that decision, that they wouldn't leave without letting someone know so that the church could rejoice with them, so that one of these believers in this room could then walk alongside them, help them grow in this new faith of theirs. Oh, and help us to be a church that does that for one another, Father, that looks to pour into one another to disciple those who are young in their faith and to be discipled by those who are strong in their faith. Help us to be a church that shows one another day in and day out what it is to live a Christ-like life. Help us to all understand the importance of reading Your Word and applying Your Word and studying it together. Help us to be a church that's growing in our faith. So that when people, when people see us, they see a good example of Jesus Christ. So that when people see us, it wouldn't be for our glory, but so that we could point them to You. Father, there are some of us here this morning who need to commit to reading Your Word every day because we haven't been doing that. Whichever among us need to, I pray that we would make that commitment to you as we sing this final song. We'd go to you in a heart of prayer. We would commit and we'd follow through. Some of us, we need to commit to coming alongside our fellow believers and learning with them. Or you've laid on our heart someone we need to ask if they would, they would disciple us. Or you've laid on our heart someone that we need to start pouring into. Help us to be faithful to follow your Spirit's direction in our lives this morning. And Father, as we prepare to sing another song, we pray that you be glorified in everything that we say and do. Father, we love you. And we know it's because you first loved us. And we thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name, amen.